to the Gym Podcast. Uncut, unfiltered, unreal. Welcome everyone to the Gym Podcast. Welcome back. I'm your host, Jimbo Fisher. Joining me this week, as always, the one, the only, Randy, Randy Darsh. Randy Darsh. Okay. There we go. Right. Hello, everybody. I'm excited to have another uh, beautiful week of college football. We had an exciting week eight. We're about to recap. Um, would you like to just go ahead and jump right into it? We've got a list here, don't we, Randy? We've got like half a dozen I was going to say, I've never, I don't think in any of the episodes we've ever recorded, we've had this many games we wanted to kind of talk about. So let's let's just get right into it. Sure. Um, we're going to start with your expertise, which is <laughs> seven and a ho, Ohio State 20, Versus now six and one Penn State twelve. How is the Big Ten East going to play out at this point? I think it's going to play out kind of like it has for the last couple of years, really, really the last like half decade, which is it's going to be Ohio State versus Michigan. Like the game, it'll be they'll both be undefeated probably. Well, maybe we'll get to that later. But it, it's going to come down to that game, right? I, I think Penn State has proven once again that while they are a really good team, maybe even a top ten team. They're just not quite yet in that same caliber as Ohio State. Uh, and that's just kind of been the story for Penn State, it seems, forever, right? Like, they had that one good upset, like, maybe five, six okay, years ago. You, but... say, you say not yet, but this is James Franklin's eighth <sighs> year there, ninth that's year true. there. Like, he's been there longer than Ryan Day. At that's some true. point, you know, trust the process, whatever, but... Mm-hmm. The process take a decade? I mean... I mean, this might just be a ceiling. Because the thing is, like, Drew Aller, right, is like a five-star recruit. Like, on paper, they've got the talent now, right? Like, on paper, I, I know what you're saying. Like, they should have gotten it done by now. But it seems like year after year, it, they, they kind of are who we thought they were. Which, again, is a really good team. Like, they're probably only going to lose to Ohio State and Michigan this year. But it's just, it's not, it's never enough to kind of get to that next level, you know? Yeah, I guess they just kind of are who they are. Um, I also want to discuss seven and zero Washington fifteen versus now one and six Arizona State seven. <laughs> Washington scored zero offensive touchdowns versus a one and six team and needed the refs to bail them out with a horrible no call, which immediately led into the pick six. Um, so, like the way I'm going to frame this question, I know this is a very like Homer mm-hmm. bias type of way, is like our. I feel like Washington's not getting enough flack for this because imagine if it was Alabama that had this game versus a one and sixteen. I mean, to be like, fair, what what and, would people say? Imagine not just Bama, but if this was Georgia or you know if if this was Ohio State or Michigan or you know you know what I mean. Like I think part of it is Washington is kind of let off the hook because no one was watching this game, right? Didn't this end at like ten p.m. or something? I, Something like that. I, I didn't see the end of it. I only saw like the recap like the following day. I have a feeling that this if this is like a primetime game or you know, like if this is played at like two thirty, right? More eyes would be on this, more attention would be drawn to Washington playing terrible football. Like this to me they should drop in the rankings because of this, right? But I just think no one watched like no one watches the Pac twelve after dark. Like, that's just the that's reality. The thing is they didn't drop in the rankings. Other teams will drop for a yeah. horrible performance like that, but they didn't. They're getting a lot of benefit. Of it's one of those things where mm-hmm. I think people are kind of wanting them to win it all right. because they're a, a very cool story, which I completely get. I'm just saying they are getting a lot of leniency when other teams would get just destroyed in the media for this. I totally um, agree. I don't know if that's right. Like, if that's ethically i don't know if ethical is the word well, i'm saying but you know what i mean no, it's the I, right I, I way think we should go about it the thing is if washington's going to be a playoff caliber team they need to be criticized like one in my mind like no one's free from criticism when you're when you're literally one of four teams in the nation right like it it it, it should go to the most deserving teams and if washington keeps playing like this even if they win out i mean if they beat if they stanford this they are they but they're going to be like tcu last year which is very sus. So they're going to beat Michigan? They're going to beat <laughs> Michigan because they can't get spied on and then <laughs> Maybe, lose yeah. by 62? Dude, okay. this, I'm just saying the spy gate explains everything. Like, it actually so explains think, everything. <laughs> it actually does. So I sent you that. We need to talk about that. We'll we talk do. about that in a little bit. Mm. I sent you the picture. There was a Michigan fan right in front of me at the Alabama-Tennessee Dude, game. They're everywhere. So I went up to him. I went up to him and I was like, hey, are you one of the spies? And he just <laughs> laughed and he said, yeah, I need to know your sign. Oh, my so, God. I thought it was funny. It was a little bit of fun little banter. The network is much more vast than we can even imagine. 
That's what I'm learning. So speaking of divvying out criticism to technical playoff caliber teams, I have kind of a two for one I kind of I really wanted to bring up. Okay. And it was two very close calls versus the two literal bottom teams of the Big Twelve. You had Oklahoma thirty one, UCF twenty nine, and Texas thirty one, Houston twenty four. Um can we take literally anything out of his games and out of like even Washington's games versus Arizona State? I think you can. I, I, I've always been really critical of quote unquote good teams having really bad games against bad opponents. Um, I mean, if you recall last season, right, I was like ragging on Georgia constantly because they had a close game against Missouri um, on the road. For me, it, it, it tells you that this team, these teams, despite having really high ceilings, also have relatively low floors. You know what I mean? Like, so like we, we know that Texas can come out flat. We know that Oklahoma can come out very flat and Washington, right? And I, I think to me what that symbolizes is that these teams really are beatable, right? Like, that's my takeaway. Like, we, we shouldn't be shocked if and when Oklahoma loses a game to an unranked team and, and spoils their entire season because it's it's definitely possible. We, we, we've seen it's that it's possible. It's the Big 12 now. and it's the Pac-12. It's yeah. bound to happen almost. It's and just, it's just, it always happens. I'm just, <clears> I don't know. Because I understand, like, the the playoff winner, the championship winner, usually has a couple bad games here and there. Mm-hmm. Usually, even a lot of times, most of the time, has a loss in their season. So it's, I guess it's different when it's one game versus when it kind of keeps happening. Right. And really, all three of these teams have shown a tendency to really come out kind of flat but still win the game, right. you know, eventually overpower. Right. And so it's, it's just kind of hard to make an actual informed opinion about it. And also part of it, all three of these teams are have probably have a little bit of a hangover from the previous weeks. You know, Washington played Oregon and Oklahoma yeah, and Texas played each other. So. I get that. I get that. But I, again, my takeaway then is that these teams are beatable. That's kind of, that's I think how I'm looking at it now. And I, I for their sake, I hope they improve, right? I hope these are flukes. I hope these are like one-off things. Cause if any of these teams keep struggling, I mean, the playoff margins these this year is they're, they're extremely thin, right? There's like such little wiggle room. And so like, y- you need to have like the most complete resume you possibly can. Right. I, I again, the benefit of the doubt exactly. is just not going to be there. These, these games can really bite them in the butt later because if mm-hmm. they lose a game, they're going to, the eye test matters. Let's face it. The committee is 12 dudes and Condoleezza Rice. I just sit in a room and, <laughs> They literally choose. They literally sit there and just choose based off of vibes. It's and vibes. And all yeah. Stuff. And so if you're yeah, barely. So you got to pass the vibe check. Yeah. If you're barely beating these mediocre teams, that's that's bad vibes. You should be you should be blowing them out. You should be destroying them and, and building a better case for yourself. So that's my take. And speaking, speaking of the vibe check, I'm kind of. I'm having a hard time getting a vibe, a vibe check on my own team. Oh. Where Alabama, 34. Tennessee, 20. Now 5 and 2. Tennessee, 20. I honestly, I don't even know what to say. Can you give like an objective opinion on this game and on party. us, like what happened? I think it's it's actually the game was kind of like two games in one, and it kind of ties back to my previous point where we saw Alabama's low again this year. We've seen a lot of Alabama's floor, right? That first half, Alabama was getting creamed. Okay, let's face the facts, right? You guys look pretty bad. Second half turned it on. I think the thing with Alabama, Randy, this year is that like. They're just so bipolar. Like when they're when they're on, they're on. It's it's Bama murder ball, right? But when they're off, it's like it's the worst Bama I've maybe ever seen since Saban took over, right? And so if if Bama can just like channel that murder ball and and just like play to their potential for a full you know four quarters, they can beat anybody. They will beat anybody. They'll win out, right? But if it's a playoff game and you're playing like Ohio State or Georgia or Oklahoma and, and you come out that flat in the first half, those teams aren't going to, they're not going to let you get out of that, right? They're going to pile on and build a big enough lead that it's insurmountable, regardless of how good you play in the exactly. second half. Exactly. That's what scares me. I do think our defense is good enough to keep, honestly, Tennessee's probably, well, I'm not going to compliment their offense. Their offense <laughs> is pretty bad. We've played some very high-powered offenses. Like We sure. were able to hold Ole Miss pretty nicely. Um, I do feel, even Texas, we kept down for three quarters. Yeah, yeah. I do feel pretty confident in saying that we could probably hang with teams just simply because of our uh, defense. Mm-hmm. But it's like our offense, it's, our defense is pretty consistent throughout the game. It's our offense. The reason that our defense gets scored on a lot of times is because mm-hmm. they're just having to constantly go right, out there. Right. Or there's a bad turnover or something like that. Yeah. So it's like, I really want to see it from our offense. Tommy Reese, I think, has been really good. But we just need to see a complete 
game from our offense, control right. the ball, play Jalen Middle like a game manager that throws deep balls. I mean, our <laughs> entire offense is just deep balls at this point. Right, which is very sink or swim, right? And I think that's kind of what we're seeing. Very sink or swim. Yeah. And that's kind, of, that's kind of the problem is like our drives <laughs> are either like three, three and out or mm -hmm. a 70-yard touchdown pass to Isaiah Bond or Jermaine Burton. So, yeah. like... We need we just need some sustained drives to keep the normally other team on the field. normally Bama's Help got a really out. normally Bama's got a really powerful run game, but I feel like we're not seeing that this year. Really, is kind of like because the our offensive line has struggled a lot with consistency, right? Uh, so our run game has really struggled to get going. They are somewhat improving game by game, but I mm -hmm. I wonder what the ceiling is there. Because if you remember in twenty twenty one, our offensive line looked horrible mm -hmm. all year, yeah, randomly until the SEC championship game so where they looked like a freaking top three top probably best <laughs> offensive line in the country just out of nowhere i that's the thing with bama dude it's just it's hard to predict but I, it, it'll be fun this weekend though right you guys play lsu i believe is it this week or next week uh we have a bye week this week okay, which okay. i think is very good for us yeah hopefully very good for us to kind of like recoup pull not recoup but yeah, I know pull it together a little bit it's a time it's, it gives you time to have these lessons from these games where we did win kind of soak mm -hmm. in and hopefully mm -hmm. build on that yeah should be a fun one uh, All right. So we have a lot of games, dude. We have so many games to cover. I know. <laughs> We're like halfway. So we have six and one Utah, thirty-four versus now six and two USC, thirty-two. <laughs> Will USC find their footing? No. Is Tebow gone? Is Tebow gone after this year? Uh, no. Well, so USC, like the problem really is like their schedule this year is like really backloaded, right? Like they, they still have yet to play. Like their toughest opponents, I'm gonna look it up right Washington, now. Washington, Oregon, UCLA. Yeah, I, that might they be three have losses. They still all three of those. Yeah, and yeah. so like this, like uh, these games against like Utah and Notre Dame were like kind of the easy ones, right? So if they're already six and two, now they're not gonna find their footing. I don't think Tebow is gonna be gone though. I, I I just think like there's a media circus around him, right? I I think in a sense him being at USC like gives him so much more attention than he would get if he went elsewhere or if he like went to the NFL, right? Especially with them going to the Big Ten next year. It's gonna be a, it's gonna be a big it's gonna be a big story, right? How is USC gonna be in the Big Ten? I think that's what he wants more than anything. I think he wants to be in the spotlight, good or bad. And he's only gonna really get that at USC. So I don't think Tebow's gonna leave anytime soon. Well, you've heard the rumors about him and Caleb Williams potentially being a package deal for the <sighs> NFL, buy, right? Like, real? Is, that, is it real or is that is, a troll? Are these rumors? <laughs> I mean, it's like what Los Angeles media does to a person. It really is. <laughs> but that's what I'm saying. What like, Los Angeles does to a person. Even if that was to be true, like he was, there, he was a package deal with Caleb Williams, and they go to like where would they even go? Like Chicago? I, I don't know. Like who's going to be the number one or number two worst team? Like it's probably going to be the Panthers, but they just got. Bryce Young, they're not gonna, they're not gonna take uh, Caleb Williams, right? I just, I, I don't. And Caleb Williams has not looked the best no. against this top competition. He's having a kind of a bad year so far. Like he played really poorly two weeks in a row now against Notre Dame and Utah. And I get that they're good defenses, but like Heisman winning quarterbacks generally play their best football against good competition. That's never been the case with Caleb Williams. Never been exactly, the case. exactly. So, I don't know. I think he's. I think Tebow stays. I think the, the drama, the circus continues into the Big Ten. But on the other hand, Tebow's not like we we know now. He's kind of like James Franklin in that we've kind of seen his ceiling, and I I don't find it too likely that he's gonna ever kind of surpass that ceiling. His you know complacency mean? on defense yeah. is like exactly like Iowa's complacency on offense. Is this a transition into what our next mean? game? Oh, it is a transition. <laughs> because the next game on here. Is Minnesota twelve at now six and two Iowa ten? Yeah, uh, I could go off PJ on Fleck. Oh my God, he cannot help himself but do something weird and embarrassing. <laughs> Dog, it's not even your own. Okay, obviously I'm referring to whenever there's like pictures of him alone on the field. Yeah, after it was the game. It was weird. It's not even your own field. You're at an what? He's trying it's to soak it in. Own field. Yeah, so like the idea is like he's never beaten Iowa before, and like you know they did it on the road, so he's gonna. I mean, the thing about him is like that was staged, right? Like it's not like he like on his own accord went out it's such and did an this authentic thing that happened. Yeah, right. He had to like get his buddy to like take the photo, right? And like and that that sums it all up. I'll say this, dude. I I know we we've debated this off 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 screen of of whether or not you know it was a fair catch or not, and how legitimate the, the win was, etc. Right. At the end of the day. After Minnesota won the game, 
what did PJ Fleck do? He crowd about himself. He crowd surfed into his own team. Like that sums it up, dude. It's it's Wait, him. Did he him. Really? Yes. Yes. Yeah. No, I'm looking up. Oh my god. He crowd surfed again. What did Luke Fickle do after we had an amazing come from behind victory on the road against Illinois? What's the first thing what he did? did? He, he complimented our players. He complimented the team. He, he, Wait, hold on. I have to know. Did he hug his wife first? He did hug his wife first. That's a, that's his shtick. It's kind of a shtick. Now that's a coach. That's a coach. That's a coach. Family coach. man. PJ Fleck. I. Is the wife even in attendance? I don't know. Um, why why wasn't the one? wife out there on the field with him? Does PJ Think about that. have a wife? I'm Googling this right now. Look it up. Yeah, he has a wife. So why I've wasn't she Why wasn't her. she with him in the middle of the field? I, I guarantee Look, you. I get that not all coaching coaches' wives are going to like want to be like that public Terry. center. But like in a way, you kind of have to be. Like when you're the coach of a head of a Power 5 football program, you're like the, yeah. the CEO. Like you're the face of the program. Your right. family... They they need to be somewhat involved. Right, I don't know how, right, how right. to express what I'm trying to say, but like mm-hmm. like Miss Terry, Miss it's Terry. very common where Nick Saban is like the reason Saban said he's been yelling at players recently mm-hmm. more is because literally his wife gone on to him and, and she said, You're not yelling at them enough. You need to really get onto them so they yeah. can be held accountable. Like yeah. Miss Terry will tell him things. It's it's I feel like it's similar with Luke Fickle. I feel like it's similar with all like really great head coaches where they have it's like a power couple thing, right? Right. Right. I don't know. I don't want. I don't want to go too hard on PJ Fleck this episode again. We we've we've done enough to him. Well, I'll go hard on this. I I because like so the thing is like from I, I'm trying to t- t- take like a neutral perspective on this because I really do hate both Minnesota and Iowa. Like I made that clear last last week, right? I I I really believed Iowa was robbed, and you can disagree, but you have to admit like there was some robbery going on here. Right, like it was somewhat there, fraudulent. No, oh no, I'm gonna. There was nothing. Don't even talk about. The it call. was a it fraudulent was win call. for Minnesota, which is on brand. This is the only way they can win. And all I'm gonna say is, we'll leave it at this. The punt return was called correctly because if you he was I, making the getaway from the ball motion with no, his left hand. If you do that, they will call it. He was he was pointing with his right hand and making the getaway from the ball motion with his left hand. I they just, will call that dead I, every single time. You can't wave your arms at all. I'm like saying he that. wasn't waving them. I'm saying he was pointing at the ball, which is very common, by the way. For he any, was pointing it with at one hand. When there's a wild punt, other. when there's a wild punt, it is like like players are coached to point at the ball. So like the rest of the team coming back knows to look out for the, the ball. The pointing isn't what got it called. I think it is though. I think it is. It is. It's the, he was waving his left this, arm. I'll say this, Randy. I'll say this. In a way, I'm. I guess I have to be glad that it was called because now Wisconsin is in first place in the Big Ten West. So, so Wisconsin twenty five <laughs> at Illinois twenty one. What did you think as a Wisconsin fan? What did you make of like seeing an eighteen point fourth quarter comeback so, from your team? Is this is this something you've ever seen before? No. Th- so this is an actual, honest to god stat. Look it up. I'm pretty sure since nineteen forty six. I want to say is the year nineteen forty six. This is the first time since then. That Wisconsin has come from behind by 14 or more points against a Big Ten team and won. Which is like both insanely depressing, but also like shocking. I, I, you know what I mean? It's like 14 points isn't that much, but for Wisconsin, it typically is. Right? We literally so, never come back and win these games, and we did. Which to me is. So here's insane. my question about the game. Here's my yeah. question about the comeback, because I didn't have that much of a chance to watch it. Right. Um, did you come back mostly like throwing the ball, throwing. running the ball? A bit of both. Um, Braylon Allen both. turned it on in the fourth quarter, but like Braden Locke just. It was Locktober, let's just say, in that fourth quarter. He was hitting everything. Our receivers were coming to the big plays. I, I assure you, like, this was a legitimate, like, Wisconsin willed its way to victory. It's not like Illinois choked or anything. Illinois played good football the entire game on defense, especially. Like, they were playing real tough, physical, weren't letting guys wide open, right? It just, I see they had zero turnovers, and they still won time of possession. So yeah, like. I just, it, it, was, it was insane to see a Wisconsin team in the fourth quarter trailing on the road somehow, like, kick it into gear and, and come back. And to me, man, more than anything, that symbolizes, like, a coaching shift. Right. This could only happen under an entirely new staff. This never would have happened under Paul Christ. Like, we never, ever, ever came back from behind under Paul Christ. So, at the end of the day, you need to believe that you have the ability to do it. Right. Like, and I know it's that's Illinois. What, that's, that's, that's what seems different is right, that right. they believe they can go out there and throw the ball in the fourth quarter when they need to. Exactly. And they're not like one dimensional. They're still like Wisconsin identity, right? Mm-hmm. But. 
they can actually throw the ball when they need to. 240 yards, two touchdowns, 21 of 41. These are good. decent stats. Decent and stats. You should be proud of that. For, and I'm looking at the drive summary for your very last drive. You yeah. scored with 27 seconds left. Yep. 14 plays, 83 yards, three minutes off the clock. It's, That's it's what done. you need to do. That's how it's done. And I know it's Illinois. Like, I, I get it. <laughs> I get that Illinois is bad. But, like, I, I just it's like you were saying. It's the mentality. It's the It's the belief in yourself. We haven't had that in so, so, so long. So... I don't know. I like what I'm seeing. Knock on wood, but we're in first place in the Big Ten West. Kind of fun. We'll talk about the uh, how this could play. We'll talk, we'll talk about this later. later. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so the final game I really wanted to talk about from sure. last week was five and two. They're now five and two. Miami twenty eight at now four and three. Clemson uh-huh. twenty. Can the U play spoiler for the rest of the season? Well, it depends. Who do they play? I haven't looked this up. Um... So I had it pulled up. Let me go. They play. They still need to play Florida State and Louisville. Um, I think they'll take down Louisville. Florida State, though, I hate to say it, week after week, they kind of look legit. Um, Miami's good. Like, I think Miami is better than the record indicates. Like, they had a couple of heartbreaking losses, as we know. Um, but Florida State, like, I, I don't think they have the edge. I don't think they have the edge there. But Miami should finish like a nine and three, a really solid, probably ranked team at the end of the year. At this point, I think Florida State is all but a lock for the college football playoff. Really? They're going to win the ACC. I just don't see anybody really challenging them, challenging them the rest of the way. Mm-hmm. Um, I think this is their year. Uh, we've been. I don't know why we've been so hesitant to give my Florida State any credit while trying to look for Cinderella's and schools like Oregon and Washington. That's true. Like, it's we've Florida been so reluctant to do, despite them coming out really strong with the LSU win and the Clemson yeah. win. Florida State's in a weird position because, like, they've won a title in the last decade, and they're like quasi almost a blue blood, right? Like they've had Heisman winners, and like I, I don't know. Like, despite all the success, it feels like they're somehow like an underdog. And I think it's just because they play in the ACC and the ACC is having a down year this year. Like, I think that's the only reason people aren't high, higher on Florida State, ultimately. No, I, I definitely see what you're saying. Plus, ever since they won the championship with the transition from Jimbo to yeah. a couple well, other coaches, they've it's had been, some. Yeah. It's been a little rough. So, I mean, I get it. I get it. But we know they have the potential um, to compete, you know, at a high level. And so far, they're doing that. So, should be fun to watch. One game we have to talk about, I know we didn't mention it here, Randy, in our notes, but, like, we need to talk about UNC losing to Virginia. What happened? Like Okay, so I was looking at the stats of this game, and I, see, I deleted it from our notes, because in looking at the stats of the game, I literally cannot piece together what happened. <laughs> um, just kind of looking at it, their quarterback, Drake May, outperformed Tony Musket. He had a better completion percentage. Mm-hmm. Um, he had more yards, more touchdowns, same amount of interceptions. Mm-hmm. They had North Carolina had less turnovers, had more total yards, had the same amount of first downs. I just Devontae Walker, their best receiver, outperformed Virginia's best receiver. Their best rusher outperformed their best rusher. I, look, crazy. I cannot figure out what happened. I the only stat I see like really heavily in Virginia's favor is Virginia had a time of possession of thirty seven minutes. Which tells me maybe oh, UNC just got really worn out by the end there. You know, just like didn't have the ball enough. I don't know. It's crazy because like Virginia, for context, I mean, they were 1-5 heading into this game. If you recall a couple weeks ago, we were talking about how Virginia was 0-5 and, and like kind of like the sad story of the season. You know what I mean? Like is Virginia going to go winless. Yeah, they're gonna even going to win a game. And to take down number 10, North Carolina, undefeated North Carolina on the road – it's insane to me. This like this has to be one of the biggest upsets of the entire season, um, and shame on North Carolina for what it's worth, man. Like they were a legit playoff contender, but no longer. I mean, their season is donezo at this point. You think it's donezo? I mean, they can technically win out. They don't have to play it's, Florida it's not State in the enough. regular season. They dropped to number seventeen. They dropped from ten to seventeen. I think their their playoff oh, man, hopes are right. over. Their playoff hopes are done. So. Yeah, you're kind of right about that. I mean, they just, they don't, the ACC does not get enough respect for them to drop that game, right. that kind of game, and continue to even have a shot. Right. I totally agree. But, Shelton of Virginia. All right. 
So something else I wanted to talk about was this broke after our recording last week was the Michigan Spygate scandal. Um, sure as did. a uh, <laughs> expert on Upper Midwestern football, what do you think of the situation? Like this, what what do you think? So there's a lot of layers to this, right? Like so, it, and it, it ultimately, my mind depends on whether or not Michigan actually was doing anything bad because I, I feel like the jury's still out. You know what I mean? If if they actually genuinely have, like, a legit network of spies that goes to every opponent's game and, like, writes down, like, signals and, you know what I mean, is recording video footage of every play, if that's true, I, I don't even think Bama does that. Like, right, correct me if I'm wrong. Like, I, I don't think don't that's do legal. That. Here, you know what I mean? <laughs> here's the thing. Here's the thing about the NCAA is that if you, like – play the game and respect their authority and have self-reporters and don't piss them off you can get away with a lot mm -hmm. but here's the thing there's just some things that kind of cross there's the public line that they say publicly and the real line mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. and it's it's kind of like you you can cross the public line a little bit you know flirt with the private line but as long as you respect the ncaa's authority they aren't going to really punish you they give you the benefit of the doubt type of thing mm -hmm. but the thing about michigan is that they go about it in the most arrogant asshole way possible and just <sighs> yeah we don't care about the ncaa blah, 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 with the whole hardball getting suspended and just whenever you do that to the ncaa they're going to look through your program with a fine tooth comb and try to find anything on mm -hmm. you so like i know josh pate kind of made a similar comment about the small town <laughs> sheriff in yep. the south and yep. like I, I talked to you about this and you legitimately did not understand it and didn't think it was a real thing i don't get it it man. is a real thing here where it's like okay so let's say you're, re you're recording something on your iphone at a crime scene not a crime scene <laughs> but you're recording something in your iphone the sheriff sees you recording if the sheriff doesn't like you the small town sheriff will literally be like that phone you're recording on there is evidence and we're going to need to confiscate that just because they don't like you. <laughs> they can do stuff like that. They'll yeah. confiscate it and then look through it and try to find a reason to arrest you if you've been an arrogant ass to them before. That kind of thing. Okay. That's what Michigan is doing. And because they're from the upper Midwest, they don't know how, I guess, the politicking kind of works down here. <laughs> I know on. the NCAA... NCAA is like, in Indiana, dude. I, I don't know, man. I think this is just a but let's thing. be honest. Let's be honest. <laughs> let's be honest here. I'm just saying. I mean, I don't want to be the one to say it, but... Say it. The... Say it. You're the one who always goes on about conspiracies with the SEC, you know, <laughs> controlling everything, etc. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. What are you saying? I don't know what you're implying. Dude. I'm just saying that they're not playing the game with the actual authority of figure. I know oh, we kind of make I fun see. of the NCAA. I see. With how they don't really have that much power and can get just beat in court pretty easily. They can, whenever generally. Yeah. But at the end of the day, they can still screw you if they don't like you. So I guess, will. is this a long way of you saying you think Michigan is more or less innocent, but the NCAA has just tried to do whatever they can to dig up any dirt on Michigan? I don't think they're innocent. That's also another part of it is I think this is like if the sheriff was going through the phone in my situation from earlier mm -hmm. and they found like that this guy had been running some massive drug ring. <laughs> it's like, why would you be stupid enough to piss off the person that can take you down for that? Interesting. And look into you for that, that you know will look into you for that when for, you're doing something like that. For what it's worth. Because yeah. We don't we definitely don't do that because we know that's crossing a certain line. I get that. For what it's worth, I think there are two main pieces of evidence against Michigan. Um, to, 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 to give the case that they actually do have a spy network and are totally abusing these rules and, and you know, basically violating every, you know, NCAA violation on spying on teams, okay? Evidence number one. I'm sure you've seen it by now. That clip of Greg Schiano at halftime in the Rutgers game where he was like, yeah, something's kind of funny going on here. We don't know exactly what's going on, but we're going we're gonna to have to figure some stuff out in the second half. Have you seen this clip? I have not seen that clip. Look it up. It basically, Greg Schiano is like low key implying against Michigan that like something fishy's going on. He's not gonna outright say it, right? Because coaches don't say those things on live TV, right? These these things are said behind closed doors. But look it up. It's 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 pretty darning evidence, if you ask me. Case number two against Michigan is that they always play well against Big Ten teams, but then completely blow it in the playoffs or bowl games, okay? And I, I get, you know, Big Ten's bad, et cetera. That's always the narrative. It's just the Big Ten's weak. But generally, last year, I believe the reason they lost to TCU now is because they didn't have film. They didn't have a guy videotaping all of TCU's games and stealing signals. A am I wrong, Randy? Am I wrong in saying that? 
It really does make sense. Um, I mean, the Big Ten Conference has come out and said that there is credible evidence yeah. and notified their future opponents. Like, yeah, it's crazy. Like, I don't so, know. That means there is something there. This isn't just like the NCAA trying to bully somebody. But I will say they probably wouldn't have been looked into as strongly and had this uncovered right. had they not pissed off the NCAA. I get that. It's going to be it crazy. It probably would have eventually came out, but like... After the fact. And Harbaugh always tries to push the envelope with stuff like that. If you remember mm-hmm. like the whole satellite camps thing. Oh, yeah. Everybody, yeah. at the time, people loved the... Oh, it's sticking it to the Southerners. But like, come <laughs> on. You do not want to open the can of worms that is the team with the most resources can just set up satellite camps wherever they please. Here we go. You did not want to open that can of worms. Harbaugh's a smart guy, but I, I know what you mean. He's calls, he's like weirdly, he's not arrogant in like a Ryan Day kind of way, but he's like, it's it's a quiet arrogance, I think, in a sense, where he like, he, he acts he like can, he can, he acts like the rules don't apply to him. Right, right, right. It's going to be crazy. To, like, I, I, I feel like almost worst case scenario for Michigan at this point is like, they end up like winning the title, but it ends up getting like revoked. <laughs> or like you know what I mean? Like I I don't know. I just it feels that would like be hilarious. This is like they're gonna have a USC moment from like you know two thousand four or whatever, where like they win it all, but it ends up getting taken back. I don't know, man. Because like on one hand, Michigan looks so insanely good, but then the, on the other hand, it's like, what if they're only good because they're stealing signals? Like I don't know. There's always been that shadow of a doubt now. Whenever I watch Michigan, it's like, are they are they cheating right now? Like I don't know. Like I, we're not gonna know probably until like a few years from now when like. You know, the dust settles and people come forward with stuff, right? So it's just right. a crazy situation, man. Just crazy. All right. So now moving on to the This Was Their Super Bowl Award. Here we um, go. Would you like to go ahead and present? I'm like torn on this one. I'm gonna i I'm just gonna say it's low hanging fruit, but I'll say it's it's Minnesota. It was their Super Bowl. And I, I'm just I'm I'm just going back to the crowd surfing moment. you shouldn't crowd surf when you beat Iowa. I'll leave it at that. Fair enough. This one has been kind of hard for me to give today because I felt like all the wins were kind of earned. I don't <laughs> know. I felt like giving an, an a, a less ironic one this time. Okay. Um. Mm. Actually, I think I will give it to Oklahoma State for beating West Virginia, forty-eight to thirty-four. Um. I'm glad that uh, they're able to finally pull it together. You know what's crazy? Is that they actually control their own destiny at this point. Oklahoma State, despite being unranked. That's crazy. Despite being unranked and losing to South Alabama and Iowa State. I'd completely kind of forgotten that they existed this season, to be honest with you. Because they got beat so bad by South Alabama and Iowa State that we just wrote them off as just, like, horrible. Because you remember they lost to Iowa State right after Iowa State lost to freaking Ohio or something. Right, right. Um, so they've been written off, and people made fun of Gundy for his comments. I think nothing's wrong with the offense. <laughs> well, I guess they kind of pulled it together because they beat Kansas State, Kansas, West Virginia, some mm. objectively decent, okay teams. So I'll give it to them, you know. A non-ironic Super Bowl. Good for them. There you go. Keep it on the Cowboys. That's all I'll say. And now, finally, we are getting to the mailbag. Mailbag. The question. The question that I posed this week was, who do you think the first coach to be fired this year will be and why? So, we're going to start with X. This is a bad question, as we've already had a coach fired, Mel Tucker. <laughs> That's true. I realize that, that is, this question, there already have been like several coaches fired, I guess, like technically. No, there's only, Mel Tucker's the only fired Only head so coach, far. but we've had a couple of... Um... I'm, I'm really discussing head coaches okay. when I bring up the question. I will definitely talk about assistants as well. Sure. But, well, Tucker wasn't really a performance thing, and that's kind of the spirit of the question. <laughs> well, I say it's not a performance-based, but mm-hmm. you have they to wonder. are probably happy to have a reason to get rid of him. Yeah, you have to wonder, like, in an alternate universe where, like, Mel Tucker actually was incredibly good, like, if Michigan State would try to, like, cover up the scandal... You know what I mean? Like, I don't think so. I think it was just... Are you telling me a team that has a picture of Adolf Hitler on their scoreboard has enough <laughs> integrity to do that kind of thing? I mean... I thought that was Photoshopped when I first no, saw that it's real. <laughs> and then I realized they actually put a picture of Adolf Hitler on their scoreboard. I couldn't believe it, dude. I like this is just this is an all time low. I thought that was a good idea. Well, you know the story, right? Like I guess in their defense, which I can't. It was like doing, a, a pop quiz. It was like a history quiz thing. They took like a random YouTube video, I guess. There's just like this random YouTube channel or something that like has trivia questions that 
I guess they would just like play the videos. Oh, so they didn't know beforehand. No, but I I mean it's the kind of thing you typically should screen, but like on the other hand, you don't expect most trivia things to have like a picture of Hitler, Hitler. on them or anything. I don't know. It's it's a weird You probably should screen that. That is hilarious. Yeah. So they're having a they're having a bad year, dude. Michigan State's having a really really bad season. <laughs> Which is just I don't know. Like it's terrible what's happening with like Mel Tucker and stuff and like, you know, it's bad taste with Hitler, but like, from a neutral perspective, it's just hilarious to see their downfall be like this. Like it's so it's unconventionally bad. Yeah, it's comically bad. So, <laughs> so the next question, the next one is from Sora. Dino Babers is on thin ice, in my opinion. Dino has been with Qs at some of their high highs, like the ten and three season in twenty eighteen, and low lows, going five and seven in twenty twenty one with a two and six conference record, and they did go seven and six last year with a Rose Bowl of the East lost to Minnesota. The Rose Bowl of the East, for those that are unaware, is the Pinstripe Bowl. They're very prestigious. It's played in New York yeah. in December. It's a fun one. Um, this is a decent point, uh, Sorak Chungus. I think, like, Dino... That is his name, right? Dino, it's not Dino. It's Dino. 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 I... I <sighs> I do remember that year they beat Clemson. Like, that's all that comes to mind as far as, like, notable things he's done. But beyond that, like, Syracuse to me has always been a very forgettable, mediocre kind of team. I, I think the thing is, 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 like, the Syracuse administration, is, like, the athletic director, okay with continuing to be mediocre in football? Because if they are, I don't think Dino's going anywhere. If they, like, really want to position, position themselves, like, to, to, to win and be relevant in the new era of, of you know, the 12-team playoff. They need, obviously, an entirely new staff. But I think the thing is, man, some teams, I, 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 I'm not trying to hate, but I feel like some teams are just kind of okay with being bad. And Syracuse may be one of them. I don't know. I was going to say, I don't think they'll fire him. As long as it can be, like, .500 and win some bowl games, right. I really don't even think they care. And I mean, they got they have a ways to go yet. I mean, they've got some winnable games looking at their schedule this year. I mean, against Boston College, Virginia Tech... These are winnable games. Like, they still might make a bowl game this year. I, I don't think they fire him if they go 6-6, six and six, right? But, on the other hand, like, if, if this keeps up and they eventually have... He has, like, a 3-9 and nine season. I, I think at that point, uh, they, they probably let go of him. But I think he's safe this year. Okay. So, now we have from NSB. Dan Enos. Not gonna happen. Real answer. Tom Allen, Neil Brown. Dan Enos is the offensive coordinator for Arkansas, and they just scored three points versus one of the worst defenses in Tower 5. No, it's probably going to happen. It's probably going to happen. As for the other answers, Tom Allen. Ah, man, Indiana just seems – I don't know how to describe Indiana. I, I can't. They always seem like they should be better than what they are. I disagree. I think the thing is they had that one good year, if you recall, during 2020, the COVID year, Okay. And I get it, they were legit then, but let's let's face it, in hindsight, I know Bama won the title, but in hindsight, that was kind of a sus year for the Big Ten, which started its games like in late October, right? Because everything was delayed, there wasn't like a typical summer camp or anything like that, right? It was a, it was a totally just bonkers year in the Big Ten, and Indiana, for whatever reason, went like like six and one with like one loss to Ohio State. Everyone thought Tom Allen's like the next big guy, right? And since then, they've regressed to the median, They've had losing seasons since then. They're probably going to have a losing season this year. I, again, Indiana's the kind of team, though, where, like Syracuse, they're just kind of normally bad, and they're probably kind of okay with being bad. So, I don't know. Do you like go of a bad coach and a bad team that's okay with being bad? Maybe. They're okay with being bad. I think they kind of expect 7, 7 and 5, 8 and 4. That's what they would be happy with. Mm-hmm. And he's really like I'm just looking at the last few years, two and ten, four and eight. He's now two and five. I could see him getting fired. As far as Neil Brown goes for West Virginia, mm -hmm. he's had a decent year this year. This uh, will definitely do or die for him. He's been the coach since 2019. I think he's got to go. His fifth year. I think he's, he's got to go. go, dude. I think the thing is, like, I was I actually saw a really convincing thing yesterday. Um, there was some statistic of like West Virginia's last 15 seasons or something. And, like, their AP ranking high during those seasons. And most years, you know, for the last 15 years, West Virginia would, you know, have a high of, like, you know, ranked 17, ranked 12, ranked 21, right? Like, they'd be ranked at some point in the year. West Virginia is, like, a respectable program, right? I think to people like me and you, just, like, neutrals, not in the Big 12, right? We think of West Virginia as, like, 
a good team generally, right? Like a good solid program. But under Neil Brown, I couldn't believe this. Under Neil Brown, West Virginia has not been ranked once in the last five years. That is bad. Yeah, he's probably going to go. So I I think, I mean, West Virginia, like they deserve better, dude. Like as a Wisconsin fan, I kind of relate to them because like they're one of the few teams with us that's like generally considered like a quote unquote good program that's never won a national title. I think West Virginia, the fan base is is big enough. They're, they're, They're relevant enough historically that they should be good. Like they should be better than what Neil Brown can provide for them. So and I, the I think, recent irrelevance yeah. is because of him. It's because like, of him. Really. So I think they gotta let him go. I think whoever they hire will, at a minimum, be as good. So they they're not risking much, right? He he doesn't have an upside in my mind. So it's interesting how we haven't really seen any like mid season, early season fires this year because we saw a ton of that last year, didn't we? We did, but it was. I, I I do. That's a good point, actually. I do question that. I think it's because there's not a lot of like high profile. Like, you know, like There's top 25 teams, letting go of guys. Like Jimbo Fisher, for example, right? If Jimbo was ever to be fired, it would probably be a midseason fire in my mind. Whereas I think guys like Tom Allen, Indiana's okay with letting him go at the end of the year. If that makes any sense. I don't know. Maybe I'm just talking yeah. on my butt here, but. I kind of know what you, I don't know. It depends on if they can divvy up the money. I know there's like certain situations where okay, if they if they're employed until October 28th at 3:45 right. p.m., the buyout goes down by well, X million. And it's not just that. I think it's like like Wisconsin fired Paul Christ halfway through the year last year because we kind of wanted just to like feel it out and like see you know test the market. Like you know like we fired Christ and we're immediately talking to Luke Fickle behind the scenes, right? I think that's what a lot of right. programs do, but I don't get the vibe. Like there's not a lot of big head coaches out there this year that you're like oh we're gonna get that guy we're gonna get we're gonna steal this coach from that program like i can't really i can't really think of anyone like that right now so that could be playing a part of it too right all right from ben aside up he said should be mario cristobal i don't know he he they did just, just be dude. clemson they just, i i actually i'm gonna disagree i'm gonna disagree only because they did i think miami's good this year like i was saying i think they'll be like a nine and three team like, they're not going to be a playoff team. They're not going to be even a New York Six kind of team. But, like, they're good enough. I think enough. Miami's happy with 9-3. and three. I think I they're think happy they're with what they've gone for. I the, the jury's still kind of out on Mario Cristobal. I, I, I know it's hard to, hard to believe, but I think he does need just, like, a little bit more time, I think, with the Hurricanes. No, I mean, you say more time, he's been fine this year. 5-2 and two is not a bad record. Yeah, exactly. It, everybody's doing this because of that one play versus North Carolina. <laughs> Seriously. Versus Georgia Tech. <laughs> yeah. If that one play didn't happen, they'd be six and one and like you know controlling their own destiny, right? It's it's a very different story because of one play. All right, coming up next, we have X, who says Brian Ferentz. <sighs> Kirk isn't gonna fire his son. He's no, just not. it's just be real. Like they're gonna go ten and two. By the way, like I was gonna win out. You can't you can't fire a coach when you go ten and two. Even Bama, they can't. Yes, he you know can. I mean? You absolutely. We did it. <laughs> but he's not gonna fire his son though. <laughs> That's the problem, dude. This nepo nepotism stuff. But dude. he's so bad. He uh. is, but they keep winning. I think realistically, I thought about this a little bit. Like Iowa's gonna need to be really, really, really bad. Like in the new Big Ten, they're gonna like lose to USC and UCLA and. Oregon and Washington and Ohio State and Penn State and Michigan and Wisconsin and Minnesota. Right, they're going to lose all these games next year, and then they'll let him go. But ten and two, they're not going to fire him. They're not going to fire him. I mean, is he? I guess he's a package deal with Kirk Ferentz. What? I just wonder at what goes? point do they let Kirk go? Well, he's yeah. he's at what point does Kirk Ferentz outstay his welcome? The thing is, at a certain point, he probably just retires. Dude, I looked it up. He's like sixty-nine years old. Nice. Yeah. But he's getting he's getting pretty old, dude. I mean, at a certain point, you can just kind of you can just stop. Like you've made enough money, right? Like like Kirk Ferentz is gonna have a statue. Regardless, These people are workaholics. Right? They don't know how to stop. That's probably true. You have to be like a hustler to even get into the into the coaching gig sport. <laughs> but I feel like Kirk's legacy is already solidified at Iowa, right? Like he's gonna be. I mean, I could just see it being an ugly one where he just like. It's so stubborn, refuses to want to go, and is so mad, and you know what I mean. It, like ruins his legacy, kind of a thing. It's like the stiff. Maybe not ruin his legacy, but like make it clear he doesn't want to come back and like do pictures with the fans. Oh, and that sort I of see. Thing. I could see that. Yeah, I mean Brian Ferentz is the worst, probably coach in P five football. 
He probably is. So he should be fired, but I don't think he will. All right. Banana Joe. Gus Malzahn. He's been there for a while and hasn't really progressed UCF. Although it's possible they give him a year or two, they've just been stationary and slightly declined. I don't know if I necessarily agree with that for this reason. Yeah. This is their first year in the Big 12, and there was always going to be that transitory period. Like, this always happens. Yeah, yeah. It's going to be a while. He has to get his own guys now that they have, like, a P5 budget, right? But for what it's worth, though they're 0-4 in the Big 12, I mean, they played Oklahoma really close last week on the road. They had a really close loss against Baylor and Kansas State. So I give him time. I think he gets at least another year, if not two at UCF because this he is went a transition. nine and four his first couple years right. each of his first couple years right. and it was when group of five programs move up to power five this always always happens, right? takes a few years games. with a p5 budget and recruiting right. to catch right. up um we saw it with tcu like a decade ago so yeah. it's going to take a little bit of time although they have lost four in a row now but they have you know. but they've got some winnable games ahead of them i mean west virginia cincinnati texas tech houston they, they might still make a bowl game this year so i, I wouldn't count gus out quite just yet all right, moving on, we have Saxo Steve, who says, Mike Houston, head coach of the 1-6 East Carolina Pirates. That is very bad. That the surprises thing about me. ECU, that surprises me. ECU is probably one of the premier, they have, absolutely are now the premier group of five program as a whole. Right. Like They get the highest average attendance of all of group of five they're, they have resources, and they have fan support, and they have everything kind of in place to be successful for their conference yeah, yeah. level. Right. But, yeah, to be 1-6 and six is awful. They're going to – I could see him being the first let go. I could definitely see that, too. Because, yeah, looking back, I mean, as far as G5 teams go, I feel like East Carolina was always one of those teams that, like, they'd win a big game every now and then, right? Or, like, they'd be on – like, they had, like, a big prime time kind of game. Like, you'd watch an East Carolina game unironically, right? But this year, to be 1-6, and six, I mean, that's – that's that's fire worthy, I'd say. So yeah, I, I think he might be axed. I'm trying to see how long he's been there. Um, I guess it's a complaint. I know he was. Was he? He there? was the coach at James Madison for a while. Let's see. Oh, this is his fifth year. Really? He went four and eight, three and six, seven and five, eight and five, and now he's one and six. So he was there um, when they were kind of good. That's surprising. Yeah. I mean, not East Carolina. Do you mean James Madison? No, I'm talking East Carolina. I don't know. I mean, like eight and five. Uh, they were never eight and five is kind of the decent. standard, the minimum there for their group of five status. Like they're a very good group of five program historically. Hmm. Yeah, it should be interesting to see. I think if he's not fired this year, he's going to be very much on the hot seat heading into the next. Season. I think he's gone. Yeah, as a matter of when, not if. <laughs> um, low bro, Balderanda has got to go. <laughs> Baylor went from the, one of the best teams in college football to complete mediocrity. Might be too soon, but I would not be happy with him. I, I disagree with that. Really? I'm kind of surprised. It's Baylor. You got to give him a down year. Just let him have the down year and well, eat it. If he does, just as bad next year, sure. Well, that's the thing. So, like, last season, um, what did Baylor go? They were, like, 6-7, and seven, I think? 6-7. and seven. So, like, that, to me, is a down year. 2021, they were really good. I mean, they won the Big 12 that year. So... They're only two years removed from the Big 12 championship. Um, I, I think I agree with you, I guess, Randy. I think one more season. I, I think it might be a, just a hair too early to fire the trigger just yet. But it, it definitely is disappointing to see Baylor struggle this much. I mean, historically, the last 15 or so years, they've been kind of a powerhouse in the Big 12. So there's definitely the potential there to, to succeed. But. They have a very winnable schedule, back yeah. half of the schedule. They play like Iowa State, Houston, TCU, West Virginia, Kansas State. Mm-hmm. They can win some of these games. I think if they can just get it to a ball game again, he'll buy himself some time. Yeah. I mean, for his sake, I, I like Dave Aranda, dude. Former Wisconsin, D.C. Won a national title at LSU as defensive coordinator. I think he's a good coach, um, but I do expect more out of him. So I say one more year. From DK, he said, PJ Fleck, the ship's run its course in Minnesota. I believe you meant the boat has run its course, has rode its course. I hate to say it, dude, I hate to say it, but that win last week against Iowa has bought him at least another year. I don't think he's going to be fired anytime soon. And Minnesota fans just, like, they're, again, they're gullible enough to where, like, that kind of fluke win against Iowa that's enough, like, 
ration to get them through like the next season. Like it, it, it actually is. So they're just gonna ride that way. Yeah, and it doesn't matter. They go, we got the pig, we got the bacon. It's like, oh, come on. Like it was. I heard them say that it's so. They were so happy. I almost made yeah. them my. This was their Super That's Bowl award winner. That's why I picked them. I mean, it's, it's. I I understand being happy when you beat a team, but like I I think in their mind, like, they think Iowa's actually good, and they think this is like a quality win. And see what you mean. Yeah, that's the. That's the problem with all this. So, no, I think this year he's not getting fired. That's for sure. All right, from Four Wombly's, he said, Sam Pittman is a dead man walking. His buyout drops significantly if he's below 0.500 or something like that. I haven't looked at the... Uh, I can see you Googling this. You're like, I, I can hear you typing Sam Pittman. I don't know his actual buyout. I don't know about that. <laughs> if that is the case, he might... I think they'll give him a year. Given Arkansas situation, really? I think they would give him another year if he is showing that he's going to make changes. And I actually just saw two hours ago mm-hmm. uh, that Dan Enos has actually been fired. So there I did not go. realize that. There you go. Wow. <laughs> so, NSP willed it to I didn't existence. realize that. That was actually a reference that actually happened. I didn't even know yet. Um, I'm trying to piece together his information live while talking. <laughs> we're we're no, really prepared I here. It, I think with him showing that he's willing to make these changes on the fly, mm-hmm. I think they're going to give him a, the benefit of the doubt for the year, given Arkansas's situation. Yeah, because it's kind of hard for them in the SEC Dude, West. They've lost all these games splitting. by like three points. Like it's insane how unlucky they've been. Like I, I'm not saying just unlucky. Like there's there's skill obviously, but they've lost three and seven, twenty one twenty four, twenty twenty seven. 31-34, 31-38. That's, that's five different games that are all one-score games, and they've lost them all. And this has been a very tough schedule. It has. I can't think, like, as far as, like, out-of-conference scheduling goes, BYU is not somebody anybody should be scheduling if you value yeah, not losing. Yeah, we lost to him a couple years like, ago. It's just, yeah. Oh, that's right. It's that's tough. what I'm saying is it's a very dangerous game to schedule. Not to play LSU. Yeah. Texas A&M, I get, has, like, struggled, but they're extremely talented. Right. At right. Ole Miss. At Alabama. Like, no, come on. That's just not even fair for this them. This is a tough season. BYU is 5-2. and two. Crazy to think about, but it's true. So, yeah, I think one more year. I mean, this is obviously a down year, but they have a lot of momentum to build off of if they can finish the season with a few wins here. I mean, Florida, Auburn, FIU, Missouri, those are all winnable games for Arkansas. So, I don't know. Missouri only has one loss and controls its own destiny. And if they can the beat their rival, Missouri, rival, I know they're not like hardcore rivals but if they can beat missouri to like spoil missouri's you know ny6 hopes or something right that's a ton of momentum heading into the next year so don't count on arkansas just yet all right i guess we won't all right so moving on to the week nine preview let's go we're gonna start with georgia versus florida the world's largest outdoor cocktail party oh boy in florida take advantage of brock bowers being out yes are we going to have a murder mertz game and i'm gonna defer to you on that because you are the expert on murder mertz i think i've i thought about this in the shower this morning i think this weekend not to preview another game coming up but this weekend is going to be the single biggest weekend for wisconsin quarterbacks past and former and current in college history. We are going to see murder murders in full effect. Brock Bowers being out tells me that Georgia's offense is cooked. They have no, they were one dimensional heading into this game. So they're going to be soft. They're probably only going to put up like 24 points in four quarters, right? Murder Mertz, I'm telling you now, is going to ball the hell out. It's going to be that game against Illinois. You remember the one where he had like five touchdowns, no, no drops or something like that. It's going to be that. Florida to be fair, will beat Georgia's Georgia. Defense is no, quite a bit different than no, Illinois defense. No, I'm going to disagree. I'm going to disagree, and here's why. Uh, and here's why. They have a lot. Bigger. <laughs> Every, all their players are like two and three inches taller and forty pounds. Here's more the muscular. thing. No, I thought about this. Okay, Graham Mertz historically, even even when he was like a rookie at Wisconsin, right? He's always had like some really good accuracy from time to time. Like he he from from the get go right he's always had a really good arm he can he can thread a needle he can throw a bullet right he can get it where it needs to his problem though is that because he's so talented he has such a good arm he would often try to force throws that just weren't there right he'd try to make plays happen that 
couldn't be made basically by anyone. And as a result, he'd get picked off a lot. There'd be a lot of pick sixes. There'd be, you know what I mean, like tipped balls and stuff. But this year, for whatever reason, man, maybe it's because he's the fourth year, you know, senior at this point playing the game. Maybe it's better coaching. I don't know. He's making such better decisions. He has like two interceptions this entire season. Okay, that was always, always Graham Mertz's weakness was his interceptions. He just always make dumb, dumb, boneheaded plays. He's being smart this year. He's smart. He's improved. He's having fun. Dude, if, if he can avoid mistakes against Georgia, I don't care that it's Georgia. I think he can, he can ball against anyone, and he's going to. I'm telling you now, Randy, Florida is going to beat Georgia. I'm just looking at his stats and comparing it to mm-hmm. his previous years. 12 mm-hmm. touchdowns with two interceptions, 1,900 yards so pretty far. Good. 76% completions. That's I think he's he's having a very good year. He's having a good year. Having a good year. Um, I'll be curious to kind of see how this plays out. Um, I just... Uh, Brock my brain gone. says this. This Brock is what Bowers my brain gone. says. Is that Bowers being out means nothing, especially with the bye week. <laughs> Georgia's going to just win in the most annoying way possible. You think so? Is it your lock of the week? No, I got another one. I got it. Uh, okay. You know where I'm going with that. But no, I would say quote me on it, though. Quote me on it. I think Florida's going to win. I think. Well, Flo- you want it, but not lock of the week. And I, I want them. For, for the record, dude, Wisconsin Nation, like, we like Graham Mertz. I want to make that clear. Like, I, I don't think any Wisconsin fans are mad at Mertz, right? We're, we're mad at Paul Christ for, like, not using Mertz to his full potential for the last three years. We're starting to see Graham Mertz play to his potential, and sure enough, he's having a, a pretty good year at Florida so far. So I wish him nothing but the best. All right, so moving on, we have 6-1 Oregon at 6-1 Utah. Both teams control their own destiny. Do you think Oregon kind of smooth sells if they win out, if they win here? Because, I mean... Their schedule is going to end up very favorably. They've already mm-hmm. played Washington, which they did lose, I know. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, after they play Utah, they're going to play Cal, USC, Arizona State, Oregon State. Yeah. Winnable games for them. Oh, yeah. Um, I think they could probably coast from here. I think USC is no longer that really tough team <laughs> that we all thought they were going to be uh, at this really? point in the year. So, at this point, like their, their toughest remaining tests are Utah, obviously, and Oregon State. And Oregon State is decent it's a rivalry game obviously so like anything can happen i i think it would be a mistake for them to, to just go on cruise control though because that's that's always been the pac-12's problem is they we just assume a team like oregon will win out and make the playoffs but they'll like lose a freak game to arizona state or something right so they get cannibalized exactly so for oregon's sake i hope they don't let off the gas i hope they keep pouring on these points and, and really you know pushing Bo Nix to really play to his potential I guess I'm just curious, like, how legit do you think Utah is? They did beat Mertz. They did. Um, Utah's a weird team, man. They're a weird team because, on one hand, they're kind of boring. Um, they're kind of like the Wisconsin of the Pac-12 back when Wisconsin was good in that, like, they would occasionally beat good teams, but it wasn't really, like, flashy. You know what I mean? Like, they're kind of a defense. They're a very defensive team. They're not really known for, like, throwing the ball deep. And Cam Rising being out, I mean, they're, they're kind of just running it this year. So, I, I, I don't know. They're good, but not great. It's kind of my temperature on Utah right now. I got you. So, one that a game you will be an expert on oh my God. is 7-0 and Ohio State at 5-2. and Controls their own destiny, Wisconsin. Jimbo, Tell me. can they do it? Okay. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to have the mic here for a moment. This is the game that when the Big Ten schedule was released earlier in the year, back before the season started, of course, I think every Wisconsin fan saw that we were playing Ohio State at home at night and immediately circled this game on the calendar as a game we're going to win. I'm telling you now, Randy, okay, we talk about vibes, we talk about eye test, we talk about, you know, the, the game, it's not just about stats, right? It's not just about recruiting at the end of the day. There's, there's a certain element of, like, emotion and momentum that is needed to win big games, okay? Wisconsin is starting to peak at the right time. We saw it last week, that fourth quarter against Illinois, and I know it was Illinois, but we saw, we saw something different out of this team that we hadn't seen in quite some time, okay? And I'm telling you now, Randy, though Wisconsin has lost to Ohio State like 10 times in a row, we always play them tough and close at home. This game is at night at Camp Randall, 
it is going to be rocking. It is going to be loud. It's going to be cold. It's going to be a very cold game. And call it right now. I'm going to call it right now. Lock of the week, L-O-C-K-E. Wisconsin takes down undefeated Ohio State at home in Camp Randall. It's, it's, let's go like final score of like 31 to 28. It's going to be a close game, back and forth heavyweight title. We're doing it. I'm, I'm ride or die at this point. I'm all in. We're winning this game. That's my lock of the week. It's Locktober. We're winning this game, I, Randy. I don't think I've ever heard you be like optimistic about Wisconsin exactly. sports at all. Exactly. So it's very interesting. I would just say this. Don't, with Fickle as your coach and with Ohio State kind of looking suspect this year, I would just caution you against thinking that this is do or die in some small window you have to take advantage of against Ohio State. I think you're just, you need reel it in a little bit and be a little patient with the process of mm-hmm, Luke Fickle mm-hmm. getting in his guys, establishing mm-hmm. a culture. So he's obviously, he's a coach and he's doing a good job. So I'm just saying, don't get too down if the result ends up being a blowout or something. No, I think, I think we're so used to this point to losing to Ohio State. What we really want is just us to look competent and not get blown out like we did last year, <laughs> if you recall. Um, but I don't know, man. Like, he's got our guys fired up. Like, truly, I believe that this team is going to go into the game thinking they're going to win. And that's a feeling we haven't had against Ohio State in a very long time. So it'll be fun to watch us presumably, like, put it all on the line for just one game, right, at home. So I don't know, man. Keep an eye on those Badgers. That's all I'm saying. All right, Obi. I'm definitely going to watch it. Um, we have a bye week, so. There you go. By the way, I am going to point out, I am going to point out, you did, so you cannot, like, comp- you cannot make fun of me anymore. You said 45 degrees was cold. Is that what the temperature is? is it for the game, game time, yes. At night, 45? I thought it would be colder at night. Are you sure that's not the high for the day? No, the high is 49, the low is 40. Okay. We'll see. I mean, for what it's worth, it's it's not warm. I'll say that. It's definitely not a warm game. Ohio State's kind of one of those teams where like they're used to playing in domes in perfect conditions, and it looks like it's going to be raining pretty hard during yeah. the game. Dude, I'm say I I'm telling you, like any chaotic weather weather <laughs> plays in our favor for sure. Y- even though our quarterback's from the South, even though Braden Locke is is from Mississippi State, I think it plays in our favor. Don't ask why. I think he'll have enough time to be used to adjusting. I don't know. No, no, it's true, dude. Ohio State, I, 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 this is like a side rant, but Ohio State's the kind of team where like their facilities are so immaculate that I think it's actually kind of a detriment to them when they play in like a tough opponent's like bad weather or like bad field conditions and like bad turf, bad grass. You know what I mean? No, I know exactly what you mean. Actually, it's a good point. So I don't know. We'll see. I hope I hope it's bad weather. I hope it's raining and it's cold out because that plays in our favor. Gosh dang it. I mean, I'm looking at the weather forecast and you have a pretty high percentage chance of rain late into the night. Dude. Um, and it's going to be windy. That's a Big Ten game right there. It's a Big Ten game. Should be fun. Hopefully it works in your favor. That's all I'm saying. All right, so there are some other games I'm going to watch that I didn't have a whole lot to say about, but I'm going to kind of briefly mention. Okay. We have Oklahoma at Kansas. Kansas is 5-2. and two. I'll be curious okay. to see if the Jayhawks can get that done. BYU at Texas. I'm going to watch. I'm going to be curious if Texas will finally blow it after so many close calls. Do you think they will? We have Duke at Louisville. The okay. ACC cannibalization is going to proceed and commence. Yeah. Um, USC at Cal. Uh, I'm be curious to see if USC is going to continue to fall off the rails or if they'll just kind of, you know, beat California. Um, Air Force at Colorado State. I'm interested, intrigued by the Air Force Cinderella story we have going on. They're, they're good, still undefeated. They're a good Cinderella story. We haven't talked about them this year, but they're undefeated. So I was going to say they're undefeated. I don't. I wonder if there's any scenario in which they could be included in the playoffs because. I don't know. I mean, they are not going to include a group of five team unless there's a lot of chaos. You'd have to be like what Cincinnati did. And I don't think Air Force is going to have a chance for that kind of win. If they but don't if make there's the... like a bunch of two lost teams. Yeah, if, if the committee like chooses to not put in undefeated Air Force, all that tells me is that they hate the troops. So it's not a good look. I hate, hate America. There you go. To be fair, they have never put a two lost team into the playoff before. So That's true. That's true. We have Colorado at UCLA. Uh, will Coach Prime get back on track? Nope. Nope. Okay. Nope. I actually picked that's all right. 
Is this your lock of the week? Is this your lock of the week? Lock of the week as Colorado beats UCLA. Oh, my God. You like Prime now, don't you? I don't hate what he's doing. He obviously... The way he slaps his brand on stuff is much different than how PJ Fleck does it. It's it's hard to explain. Like, he's not... I don't know how... You know what I'm saying? You like him because he's in the Aflac commercials with Nick Saban. He is in the Aflac commercials. I think Coach Prime actually does care about his players, like, as people. He actually wants to build them up. And plus, it's kind of cool to see him coach his kids. He likes... He wants to build up his kids. He obviously has like a close relationship with Travis Hunter. Mm-hmm. He's not just using them for his personal gain. It doesn't ever feel like that. In a way, it helps. I can't believe I'm saying this. It helps that like he's already like made it. As a, he has nothing like really to prove exactly. per se. Using his brand helps the program. Mm-hmm. Whereas like PJ, it's like you can tell he's he just really wants. He, he wants to be... He wants his brand. Yeah. PJ using his brand does not help Minnesota in any way. If anything, no, it yeah. hurts them. Yeah, yeah. Well, Coach Prime slapping Prime on everything in Colorado, like, people can hate it, but ultimately that gets so much more attention to them, that gets more money to them, it helps them that, for him yeah. to do that. Yeah. I'll agree with that. And finally, another game I'm going to watch is actually the Pac-12 After Dark game oh. at 9.30 which is Oregon State at Arizona. And do you think Oregon State's going to keep their Cinderella story going, considering they only have one loss? So Arizona this year is a, is a curious case, right? Um, what's the current record? I don't, it is... I'm looking it up four right and now. three. Four and three. So, like, if there was, like, a single team in the Pac-12 to, like, cannibalize another top-tier Pac-12 team, I feel like it is Arizona. You know what I mean? It just feels like one of those games. <laughs> it feels like one of those games. So I, I definitely actually could see this, especially because it's at Arizona. And Pac-12 after Dark Man, I mean, anything can happen at 2 a.m. Uh, in, in Central Time Zone. So, yeah, I, I could see this being the game that officially kicks Oregon State out of playoff contention. I could, too. Um, it's just it's just how the Pac-12 is. It's like it's almost like it's destiny for it. It really happen. is. It really is. So, all right. Well, I think that concludes uh, all the games that we wanted to talk about here. Randy, this should be a fun week in college football. Looking forward to being at the Wisconsin Ohio State game. Keep an eye out for me. I'll look for you on TV. I did apparently get on TV last week, so I'll look did for you? you on TV. Oh yeah, or you'll you did. Be the one wearing red. <laughs> I'll be in red. Yeah. If there's like a guy who's just like balding and, and looks like he's way too into it and his wife's annoyed uh, at, at him screaming that's probably me so should be fun folks Locktober is upon us and with that some really good college football thanks again for the mailbag questions folks and until next time roll time on Wisconsin.